turning there. Charlie Talbo, he's one of those people in my life who uh, my life had the privilege of intersecting and I learned a lot from him, uh, mainly perseverance. And as we look back at our lives, uh, there's so many things that we learn, but we especially learn from our elementary school teachers, don't we? Ms. Alvis was my second grade teacher, and she was an older lady uh, nearing retirement. When I had her in the early 1970s, she had a gentle demeanor, a grandmotherly type figure, uh, knew how to be encouraging, but yet could be firm when she had to be. She didn't carry a big stick. She didn't have to. Ms. Alvis was very creative, and one of the creative things Ms. Alvis had us do as second graders was develop a recipe book. Everyone in the class, and get it, this is second grade class, had to come up with a recipe, and we compiled it and had a booklet that we were able to give to our parents. Now, w whenever you think of projects, usually when projects are given, like science projects in high school, we find out how talented the parents are, not the children. But this wasn't the case. There could be no parental involvement. This had to come from the mind of a second grader onto the page of the recipe book. And as you could imagine, there were a lot of hilarious recipes from second graders. Mine may have been the funniest. And it went like this. It was a two-step process for hamburger. Kill a cow and put it in the oven. That's what it was. That's literally what it was. I didn't think about having to grind up the meat. I wasn't thinking about having an oven big enough for that or what hooves might take. It was just kill a cow and put it in the oven. Now, you knew my mom didn't help me with that. But, you know, there are very few things that are two-step, very few things in life that are really that simple. And, but as we look at Acts chapter 17 today, at least from the human element, whenever God is working, there's God's divine hand working, and then there's individuals. There are individuals that God works through, and that's how God chooses to work. God can do anything. But here in Acts chapter 17 today, I believe we see a two-step simple process for God working in a particular area. It might be in a city, as we'll see here in Acts, or in a church, or in a workplace. And the twofold aspect is a committed, persistent witness and a willing and open recipient. That's what we see here in Berea today. Look, look with me at Acts chapter 17. In verse 10, it says, As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a prominent number of Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came thereto agitating and upsetting the crowds. 
Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, we thank you for these few verses found in the book of Acts of this city, not often mentioned in scripture, but Lord, mentioned favorably here. We thank you for the simple process that was worked out in Berea, the divine hand of God being upon the witness of faithful believers and the receptivity of those who heard that message. Father, strengthen us as we go from this place today. If individuals here have never trusted Christ, I pray today would be that day that they would hear and respond. For those who have trusted Christ, may we have the resolve, may we have the intent and the persistence that we see in Paul here. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Berea was a small city uh, in Macedonia. Macedonia was located in that time uh, northern Greece. It was a province there, and Berea was a city uh, in that area. And located a short distance from the Aegean Sea, Berea was about 50 miles west of Thessalonica. And Paul stopped in Berea during his second missionary journey. As we're going to see, it wasn't just by chance that this, this happened. It was actually of necessity. But as we look at the bigger picture as to why Paul was in Berea, we see earlier in Acts chapter 16 that he desired to go into a different part of the world, and the Lord closed the door for him to go into this area of Bithynia. And, and then he received a vision, uh, you might call it a dream. He received uh, an unction to go into Macedonia. It was a man imploring him to come there. And so Paul is in Macedonia now. Thessalonica, where he just was, was in Macedonia also. And we know that Paul was there because God called him to be there. But while he was in Macedonia, there were ups and downs. There were persecutions, there were threats, uh, but there were also a lot of successes. But Paul, facing adversity, was in Berea. We could read earlier in chapter 17, says that he had a short ministry in Thessalonica. You say, well, why did he only stay about three weeks there. Actually, some Jews who were opposing the gospel message, um, they raised a mob, and the mob actually ran Paul out of the city, and that's why he arrived in Berea at night. And while all was not easy in Berea, in these few verses, we do see that God was working, and the message of God was taking hold and bearing fruit in this city that, as I said, was not really well known uh, in New Testament. So as Paul arrives here, we see that this twofold working, that Paul and Silas were faithfully carrying the message wherever they went. And it so happened here in Berea that the people were more ready to receive the gospel. Isn't it an exciting thing when the church, when individuals approach people that are ready, that are ready to hear the gospel. 
Paul was intentional, and the people of Berea were receptive. Those were two powerful human ingredients. Now, that's the human dimension of it, but there's also a divine dimension of it because, really, fruit only comes through the power of God. All fruit, every positive thing that happens comes through God. It's not the persuasiveness of a man or a woman that speaks the gospel that transforms a person's life. It is the work of the Holy Spirit convincing someone of the truth of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't try to present the gospel in a way that's understandable or use valid illustrations, but the fact of the matter is we can do all that we can do, yet still it's dependent on God. And so there was this third element, the divine element, that was producing an amazing work here in this city of Berea. I came across a verse a, a few weeks ago. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. We're all familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. But how about 1 Chronicles 29, 11, which ascribes to the Lord what is rightfully his. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. So as we look at it, even the people of Berea, they were God's people. And God was empowering the witness of Paul and Silas in this city, and these people were receptive. Um, Paul, as he said earlier, he planted, but it's God here who would bring the increase. Isn't it a blessing that God chooses to use us as human beings to reach other human beings? In fact, one of the most fulfilling things as Christians we can experience is to be an instrument God would use to draw someone into faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy to argue that God can use a number of ways to save people, to draw them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is very true that he loves to work through a person sharing with a person or a person sharing with a group. And we see that here in Acts chapter 17. I want to look today at these two human ingredients, the messengers, Paul and Silas, and the recipients of that message, the people of Berea. Notice what it, we see here first, that Paul and his fellow missionaries were intentional. You know, I love missionaries. I love the word missionary. But to be honest, there's one drawback in the Christian faith with the use of the word missionary, and it's this. Often when we think of missionary, we think of some super Christian that's not us and someone who is over there. Do you realize that every one of us, in a very real sense, is a missionary? God has given us a mission in our workplace to be a light. God has given us a mission in school, when school is in session, to be a light. In the marketplace, in the workplace, wherever we might be, God's desire is that we be on mission for him. And we all have the opportunity to preach. I laughed at uh, the illustration of a little child. Maybe I shouldn't because I'm a preacher, but I'm going to share it anyway. But a child uh, after church one Sunday was sitting around the dinner table with his parents and said, I want to be a preacher. 
And the parents were very proud and thinking, boy, this is a virtuous thing. He wants to do something positive and be a preacher. So they said, why do you want to be a preacher? They said, well, I only want to work one hour a week, and during that hour I want to tell everybody what to do. <laughs> we as preachers, we have to work against that caricature. But the fact of the matter is, every one of us is a preacher in one sense or another. In his book, Preaching, Communicating Faith in an Age of Skepticism, Timothy Keller probably relates this truth more than anyone, and he speaks of the three levels of preaching. I had not heard this before, but it makes very much sense to me. The first he spoke of the level one type of preaching, that is speaking God's word in normal conversation. It's not in uh, behind a pulpit, it's not in a church building, but speaking in normal conversations. Level one, Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. Notice the all-inclusiveness. Our ladies last, uh, yesterday, heard from Colossians, I believe, chapter three. The reason I know that is Karen practiced it with me, uh, and I hear she did well. But, but what was that? message in Colossians, it wasn't to a group of preachers, it was to the church as a whole. So here in that same chapter in Colossians 3, he's saying, let the word of God dwell richly among you, all believers, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. So in that sense, all of us are preachers in our conversation sharing Christ. But he said there's level two. And, and Dr. Keller in, in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 includes the gifts of the church. He said, let those who speak, speak the very words of God. And, and in that context, it's the word laleo or, or speaking. It's a casual reference, but it also has some sense of formality. And, and Dr. Keller says that, that that refers to those who teach in the church, children or youth or Sunday school teachers for adults, those who provide counseling maybe in a formal uh, way with the word. They take the word and they speak the word. So that's level two. And then level three would be what we would consider to be preaching formally as we would do on Sunday morning from a pulpit. But the point of the matter is that he brings out in the book on preaching is that preaching is not just for some select set of individuals who stand behind the pulpit every Sunday. But every day we have an opportunity to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel. I was sharing with Ryan earlier. He's going to be baptized. He just shared a testimony. But even through the act of baptism, in a sense, we're preaching. Our actions are speaking. So we have the blessing of being able to preach in our setting. What we see from Paul here. He understood that, and he was intentional. Paul had a plan to speak God's word, and it was a very clear plan you can see throughout Acts. And we see it in verse 10 here in chapter 17. It said, as soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. What was happening? Thessalonica, there was an uprising. They took Paul out of the city. He went to Berea. He was about... 50 miles away, which was about 50 miles away. And upon arrival, what did they do? They went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, this was 
his intent. This was his pattern because look at verse 2 when he was in Thessalonica earlier in a few verses earlier in verse 2 of chapter 17 it says as usual Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Then in verse 17 we see after he leaves Berea here by force of the Thessalonians who were trying to chase him down, it says in verse 17 of this same chapter, so he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with those who worship God. In chapter 18, it goes to Corinth, and also we see in chapter 18, where did Paul go? Guess what? He went into the synagogues. So Paul wasn't just shooting sprays of things like that. He was intentional in what he was doing. I, I tend to think he was following that, uh, you know, that, that concept for the uh, gospel is the power of salvation to all those who believe to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. In other words, he was, in a sense, giving the Jews the first opportunity to hear, but it didn't stop there because we see even here in Berea there were prominent Gentile women and men who were believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here in Acts chapter 17, he wasn't setting up necessarily a pulpit. It may more have been like level two. He was setting up in a teaching situation in the synagogue, and, and it said that he was teaching, he was proclaiming. Verse 13, that the people in Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea. I wonder today, are we as intentional as Paul and Silas were? Are, are we sensitive? Do we have a plan? God, this is what you've called me to do to get your word to someone else. Do you have a plan at level one to speak one-to-one -one with those who have yet to believe? So we see that he was intentional, Paul and those with him, but also we see they were persistent. They were persistent. They did not give up. You know, ants are uh, persistent creatures, aren't they? I was, uh, we were looking at the work that's being done at the pavilion the other day, and Jerry was out, and he looked at Ant Hill. He said, boy, isn't that amazing to think of all the work that they do? And think about it, little by little, as they build that, that hill. So that got me to thinking. I went home. I was thinking about persistence, and I sort of Googled, and there was a scientific experiment one time scientists were trying to figure how persistent ants were in their work and what they did was they put syrup on top of this pedestal and they put uh, a, a number of ants below and of course they received the smell and they began to go up but the scientists every time they would almost reach the the apex they would knock them back down and they said almost 100 times they would begin the trek again wouldn't it be that we would be so persistent? Paul persevered here. He had opposition. He had been chased from Thessalonica. He moved to Berea. He planted the seeds of the gospel there. Then he was chased from Berea, and he went to Athens. And guess what he did there? The very same thing. He persevered. He continued. He didn't say, hey, this plan of going to the synagogues isn't working. I better go with plan B. He persevered through adversity. How many times... Do we give up on someone because they may not take an interest in us inviting them to church or sharing the gospel? And, and it may be the time that we give up that very next time would make a difference. A lot of people would say, well, Rick, 
Wasn't he afraid? They ran him out at night and he went somewhere else. Well, obviously, they wanted to protect Paul's life. But I see nowhere in Scripture that Paul was afraid. In fact, later, there was a prophet of God that spoke truth to Paul. Paul was going to Jerusalem. The man wrapped himself up symbolically and said, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to take your life. But Paul felt the call, and he went there anyway. He went there anyway and was persecuted. And so it wasn't fear that moved. I believe Paul planted those seeds, and he realized that his time there would be short, that he would plant it, and then God would move him somewhere else. But wherever he went, he continued to stick with the plan. He persisted in being intentional in sharing the gospel. It made me think, what if we were so intentional, so persistent with the people God places in our circles, in these level one preaching opportunities? Well, that's Paul and Silas and the missionaries. They were intentional. They were persistent. That's one part of, of, of this equation. But the other, the people in Berea, they were receptive to hear. So you have a willing preacher and a willing recipient. And when that happens, great things happen. And so it says of the people of Berea, they were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. That's what it tells us there about the people in verse 11. Now, usually when we speak of nobility, we think of birth. They were born in esteemed position. But here he qualifies that by helping us understand it's not how they were born but he qualifies by saying since they received the word. So in contrast with the people of Thessalonica, these people received the word. They were fair-minded. They were open. And so what we need to pray as we go and share with people, God, may you have them have an open mind, be fair-minded. Proverbs 13:8 says, Poverty and shame shall be to the one who refuses instruction, but he that regards reproof will be honored. And the Bereans regarded the truth. In fact, it says two things of them. They received the word with eagerness in verse 11. They didn't just hear. They listened intentively. Their will was to hear. They wanted to hear the word of God. But then it says, and they examined the scriptures, the latter part of verse 11, daily to see if these things were so. It wasn't just that they were on the emotion of it and saying, yeah, give me this teaching. But they followed that up by intently looking at the word. They examined the word. That's a legal term in the Greek language, which represented someone who was gathering information for a court case to present before a judge. They were studying through these things. They were serious about the Word of God. Are you serious about the Word of God? At our children's ministry on Wednesday night, our, our children were challenged by the leaders to read the Bible every day. That, that instruction for a child is just as important for us as adults that we will make time daily for God's word, that we will study God's word, that we will examine it. In, in other words, they did so daily. They weren't just there on the Sabbath and say, okay, Paul, we'll see you next Sabbath. They actually listened to what Paul said on the Sabbath. In the next six days, daily, they were studying intently, adding to their understanding of it. And guess what? It bore fruit. In fact, the name 
Berea means fruitful. And what we see here in Acts 17, they were living out their name. They were spiritually fruitful. Psalm 1 is one of my favorite psalms, and it speaks about the importance of focusing on God's word. It says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the path of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. For what? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And then it says, he shall be like what? Fruitful, a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's, that's fruitful. What is it saying there in Psalm 1? The one who rejects the way of the world, adopts the way of the word, will live a fruitful life. Whatever that one does will prosper. The people of Berea were fruitful because they were receptive to the word. But not only were they receptive to hearing it, they were willing to adjust. Verse 11 tells us that they were eager to hear the word and they were examining the scripture. But we see also they were willing not just to listen and be impressed because we'll see later in Athens and other places um, there would be people who would listen out of curiosity but not follow through. We need to do what God calls us to do. James 1, 23 through 25 gives us a clear, a clear picture, rather, that we're not only to hear the word but act on it. In fact, it says, beginning in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, that one is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. For he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. But he who looks intently into the perfect law, just as the Bereans were today, studying the scriptures, and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, that person will be blessed in what he does. You see, it's not enough to be excited to hear the word. It's not enough to pour over the word while those are essential, but we must do the word. Look at verse 12. Consequently, that means as a result, many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. Now, it doesn't mention that Paul going out in the marketplace, he may, may have well done it. We know in the temple area they were the court of the Gentiles, but we know primarily that he went into the temple to speak to Jews. But notice the fruitfulness. Consequently, as a result, many of them believed. They heard and they did the word. They believed. And, and not only the Jews, but the Greek women and the men as well. That which began in the temple spread throughout Berea. Wouldn't it be great if that could be Shepherd's Virginia? That the word that's here would spread out that people would hear and believe. Now, don't get me wrong. It only comes by the power of God. He's the one that produces it. But two simple ingredients he can use. The willing church, whether it be level one, level two, level three, or all levels, that will preach Jesus. Going to a community that's receptive. I wonder, believer, are you intentional as Paul was? You're looking at opportunities that God has placed to you to share the word of God with others. Are you persistent? Are you persistent with the one who maybe is not bringing a quick return? Maybe they're somewhat indifferent. 
Are you persistent even in what may be apparent hardships or, or difficulties? We need to be carrying the word. I was reading this just this morning. Uh, somebody said, what are we as a church alert to the financial needs and the needs in the community? Our community is about a five-mile radius of here. It's, it's our community, and we attend to it. Are we meeting in the walls and not aware of it? We need to be. We need to be. We need to be intentional. Maybe today you have yet to believe. You just heard a young man stand here just a few moments ago that said, I knew about it, but now I know. It makes sense to me. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder today, would there be somebody just like Ryan who would say, you know what? I'm a believer, and I'm willing to be a doer of the word, whatever that is. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we pray today, there may be some within the sound of my voice that were they to die this very moment, they would know they're not in fellowship with you. They have not believed. Maybe they've heard the word, but they have not taken, taken rather, the necessary action of repent and believe to come to know you. I pray, Lord, that you would stir their heart even this moment. Father, for others here who know Jesus Christ, Lord, help us to be intentional in our level one task. Help us to be persistent in just speaking in our conversation the truth of God's word, planting the seed, believing that it's your power that would bring the increase. Lord, we pray for our community here. And Lord, we also pray uh, that we would be engaged with this community, not aloof to it, and that you, Lord, would use this church to make an impact in southern Buckingham. And Father, we lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul preached where he was, where we are right now.